Welcome to Opening Presence, the podcast about creative self-realization. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, I sit down with Mulu Hapdamarian. I won't bother trying to box him in with the title, but let's just say that he's a natural resource for creatives worldwide. In this conversation, we discuss the importance of bringing value to others and establishing boundaries so that we don't get lost in our desire to serve. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, without further ado, welcome to Opening Presence. Welcome to Opening Presence. Thank you all beautiful people for joining us today uh, for another very special episode. Today, I am sitting down with the unofficial mayor of Portland in my eyes. <laughs> I would like to introduce you to Mulu Haptamariam. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Unofficial mayor. I've heard that one before from folks and I'm honored, quite quite frankly. Um, and I'm also grateful and honored to be here with you, Aaron. Thank you so much. I'm a big fan of your work, of the podcast, and to all of you listening around the world, thank you for tuning in. Hell yeah. So how did I, did I pronounce it correctly? You pronounced it correctly. Hey! A plus, A1, you did it, dog. <laughs> Hell Good yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, now the podcast is over. Yep, I did, that the was hard, it. The he hardest, nailed it. <laughs> the hardest part is over. Exactly. Now <laughs> we're yeah. chilling. Let's dive in. Yeah, so yeah. I think I call you the unofficial mayor because I see you just active you're always doing something you're always at the pulse of of the city Mm. first and foremost but then i see you creating opportunities for yourself and Mm -hmm. for others opening doors we haven't really this is our first time like really really like sitting down and like getting to know one another and i remember even like a couple of weeks back i reached out to you for just like like a favor, just putting something out there and you connect to the dot immediately mm. without even like having to be like, who's this guy? Like I got to right. vet him even deeper. It's kind of like, I don't know, like whether it's the trust that, that you have or the right. insight that you have off of relationships, but it, it was really nice to just like, we're in other areas in life where it's like, it's hard to like kind of move forward or get things done because you're met mm-hmm. with a lot of resistance um, I feel like you're one of those people that I recognized early on that just isn't a gatekeeper. You're right. like you're you're a conduit, and you you let the energy flow and not try to hold on to to that. Thing. So that I just wanted to share that and thank I appreciate you about that. that. And you know, I own that. I do. You know, it's definitely something that I've recognized as something that's innate within me. Like mm-hmm. I just inherently feel like my purpose in life is here to serve and to be of service to others. Mm -hmm. And I think how that manifests itself, you know, whether it's sharing tools and resources and kicking down doors and being a plug for certain things, like I have no problem, you know, just being that for, for those around me and leaning into trusting and leading with love and like knowing that, you know what, this is the right, this feels like the right thing to do. Um, whether or not I benefit from it, Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's yeah. about me getting out of the way or being or guiding people and showing people the way um, or maybe they know the way that the direction that they want to go. And I'm just like that person you pull over on the side of the road. You're like, yo, which way is the you know, how do I get to the place? <laughs> and I'm just like, OK, you make you go straight. You make a left. You Like that's then you're, then you're pr- like, then you're like, fuck it. Follow me right. or get in my yeah, car. Then I'm, like, I'm going to drive you there facts, and then we're going to have facts. dinner and then we're going to kick. Yeah. <laughs> no, a lot of times it can be like that with me. And, you know, to at times, not necessarily my detriment, but wanting to believe in people and going so hard for people sometimes to the point where it uh, not diverge from what I'm my path, but it can it can sort of like you know, slow me down a bit. You know what I mean? Like I just like, because I just love helping people and I love like being the plug. Um, and because I grew up one, having a lot of those kind of connections with people that I looked up to and on my journey. Um, and then at the same time too, I also felt like I was closed off from certain spaces, uh, that I wanted to break into and find out and learn more about, you know what I mean? 
And so I just try to make myself available in that way. It doesn't take much for me. I, like, I'm so just generous with my time, yo. Like, because I remember, I remember when I moved back to Portland. I grew up here. So maybe that's where this unofficial mayor sort of um, <laughs> perception comes from because I am very much immersed into the city and it's, you know, what, like, the communities and the neighborhoods and the people and I don't know, just, like, redefining what the city is known for. And, like, that was a big part of why I moved back. So I went to school on the East Coast, the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. And when I was out there, I didn't know anybody. So I had to, one, assume this perception from people that were from the city of Philadelphia that were in this neighborhood called the Black Bottom, which was historically a black neighborhood that my institution came and marginalized and you know, gentrified and, you know, and I was a part of that because to local Philadelphians, like, they're like, yo, you are gentrified. I don't give a fuck what you look like. You came to this area that was at one point ours. And so I, like, immediately, it wasn't even, like, no one had to tell me. It's just the way I moved. Like, I went out there. I joined all these organizations that were, like, local to the city of Philadelphia Mm. where I – you know, became a mentor to like West Philadelphia kid, like high school, you know, students and brought them to campus and normalized the college experience for them because I was just like, yo, like no matter where I am, like, you know, it's kind of like home is this space that you create. Yeah. Um, and so I had all these new discoveries, these new, this new knowledge base, this, these new connections and this social cultural capital. And I was like, you know what? I need to, like, it's important for me with all the shit that's going on in Portland. And this was back 2014, 15. With all this newly acquired, you know, knowledge and resources and things that I had uh, come across, I felt like it was important as my duty to come back and bring that back to my neighborhood, to my hood, like to my peoples. And so what that looked like for me was coming back, reimmersing myself, finding out where these pockets of these spaces of these artists and these, you know, activists and people that were moving the culture and really trying to keep the culture that was historically, you know, already there, but was getting, you know, marginalized um, and to be a part of that and to be of Mm -hmm. service to that mission. Beautiful. There's a lot packed in right there. Where do you feel like this, this, desire to be of service comes from because i feel like it's something that is born naturally because it's like you you look around our society um our our the people that we look up to or if we're lucky enough to have mentors and 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 people that are that are uh, ears to the ground and can distill this ecosystem of bullshit and distill it down to to where the truth is um i feel like uh, looking around and seeing the the inequality, inequity, and and just pain, suffering of the world, and like systems that are put in place that that keep certain people down and keep us marginalized, and like when you realize that you have power to shift and to change things, it it's it's almost a it is a duty, um, but where do you feel like that came from? Like growing up, like where did you grow up? Um, where did your family come from and maybe how, maybe describe like how that call, call of duty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Where did that, where did that, where does that, where does that come from? Because it's like, cause like some of us are just like born with it. Like I had to discover like my, my own power, uh, through navigating my own trauma. But sometimes, uh, you don't have to navigate your own trauma. You can learn from your parents' mm-hmm. story, and they they instill the, this wisdom and drive within you, um, right? To constantly seek truth and to 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 be uh, an actor of change and to support others and guide others into a into the way that we feel in our hearts that it should be. Right. Great question. I think when you you know you said Call of Duty, my mind went to Warzone and just i think what why it sprang to that was because the history of my people Eret- eritreans um from the country of eritrea which is in east africa right along the red sea was you know like a story of struggle and war and you know just war stricken sort of you know throughout its ex- existence right there was a civil war there was 
war with um, and, and sort of occupation by Itali Italy during the axis of power kind of thing. Um, forget World War Two, I think. And so, but I know that that wasn't just, that didn't, like, it sort of defined what people thought of Eritreans and, you know, from the outside world. But I knew that that wasn't the case. And, and one of the things that, you know, uh, that sort of drove me to have this mindset of, like, service, um, a lot of it stemmed from, obviously, f my family history and, like, the way that, like, even just, like, our families and, like, African and Eritrean families are, like, very community-oriented, very, like, you know, it takes a village. Like, that's a real, like, philosophy that mm -hmm. is applied. And, you know, so I think a lot of it does stem from just, like, my Afrocentric values that were sort of, you know, the quite opposite of, like, a Eurocentric mindset of, individuality and pulling yourself up from your bootstraps and getting you know just like doing things on your own because it's like the reality is we as human beings right we are um social beings and so we our inclination is to like be around and work together <laughs> to mm -hmm. like you know uh yeah. to really make an impact and to like do things and exist in, on this earth so i mean i think a lot of it comes from that just like the true nature of like being a human you know what i mean it's like is to want to serve and uh, you know there's all kinds of like theories around like love languages and this and that you know and i think one of them is like uh, acts of service, acts of service. Yeah, and i think you know sure. there's something there too that i think um is true to who i am but uh yeah i mean i think that's just something that has always been a thing for me i think growing up in north portland in columbia villa like there was always all kinds of like organizations that were there to support families. My family immigrated, you know, so there was all kinds of organizations to help people get acclimated to, you know, living in America and, mm -hmm. you know, living in low income neighborhoods. Like there was always resources and there were always, you know, people that I looked to in these organizations that I appreciated because it's like, they were doing this out of the kindness of their heart. And then as you get yeah. older, you're like, yo, people that do social work or nonprofit work or anything like that. It's like, they're not getting paid mad guap. Like, they were literally like they just love serving and being there, yeah. service to others. So I picked up on that, and like that was always a thing for me. I was always involved in some 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 sort of volunteer work, you know, some program that involved me giving back to communities and you know, for across the spectrum of just you know the isms and the you know things that are where there are underserved communities. So I think. It's just always been a part of me. It's been, like, instilled in me from my family. It's been, like, my lived experience. So it was, it came natural. You know what I mean? I feel weird not doing, not being a part yeah, of, like, any sort of, like. Selfish. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, when I'm selfish, <laughs> like, I think that's why I'm so <laughs> selfless and why I struggle to find that balance because then you start doing things and, like, you resent it because you're like, sure. man, I'm giving my all to yeah. this, like, and, like, not, and there's nothing left in the well for me yeah. to, like, give myself well, space well, and yeah. yeah part of this podcast is talking about those things and like how do you feel like you've been able to create boundaries for yourself uh with such a big heart and and wanting to do so much for others like where do you find time and space and how do you advocate for your own energy as mm -hmm. to not deplete yourself it took a really long time for me to get to a point um where i created was able to confidently and create these boundaries around my own needs and prioritizing my own needs like you know, I'm in my 30s now, early 30s. Like, my whole 20s, I was trying to do the most for those around me because I felt, again, a responsibility. Um, I felt all this pr this this privilege that I had acquired. Like, it, I felt like I, I, I wasn't comfortable in it. I was like, oh, like, this education I got, these jobs I have, like, I need other people to feel this, you know what I mean, that don't have access to it. Mm, and mm -hmm. so how do I do that? By showing up in their lives and being there and showing them how – it's it's a, how much of a reality it is to see someone like me kicking it with them. You know what I mean? Like being like, you know what I mean? Just like being present in, you know, both spaces in these like sort of out of reach aspirational spaces. And then in the hood, like kicking with the homies, like smoking tree, like straight up. That was my vibe. So I think the way I created these boundaries over time was failing at it a lot and <laughs> saying yeah. it to the point where 
it just brought misery into my own life by not having the strength and the, you know, to advocate for myself and what I wanted, even if it meant, uh, you know, letting others down. And like, and I, I think what we, what we were talking about earlier, what you just said before we started the podcast was like about how I no longer found joy in doing the things that I like felt an obligation to do. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like, mm-hmm. yo, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, and I couldn't show up as my full self and I'm here in these showing up not as the best version of myself and I'm like not happy and I'm just, I felt the energy was like not, um, you know, not conducive to like creating, you know, the vibes that were necessary for yeah. some of the work that I was doing in the nonprofit space with creatives and artists and um, all that. So I think for me, it's just like reclaiming um, self-care practices. 2020 obviously helped f- for a lot of people, um, myself included, just like working out consistently, eating right, meditating. I started journaling and like writing on physical paper has been such a struggle for me. I've tried it so for so long, tried to use planners, buy them, use them for a month, don't ever use them again. Mm-hmm. But something something was different this time around. Yeah. And I started, um, you know, this thing called the Five Minute Journal. Intelligent Change is the organization that makes it. And I did that. And it's just, you know, you just do daily sort of um, gratitude. Mm-hmm. You just acknowledge how you're feeling and what good things, bad things that happen and just reflecting on that. And then I started using a productivity planner that they also make. And, you know, and then it's just like started creating more structure because I was struggling with not having structure and like Mm -hmm. not having a job for quite a few months. And I was just like, oh, I don't know how to (laughs) how to get going because I was just like in a funk and just like my outlook was bleak. You know what I mean? I just was not optimistic with the way the world was changing you know, the elections and the pandemic and, you know, the social racial reckoning that was happening. I was just like, man, is this shit really going to change? So I was like losing hope a little bit, you know what I mean? And I just didn't enjoy being around myself. And that's when you know it's bad, you know what I mean? When you're just like, Mm. damn, son, like, get it together. Like, I don't even like want to be alone and kick it by myself. So, yeah, you know, I started talking to people, you know, reaching out to mental health um, therapists and you know just trying different things and recommitting myself to these practices because I know they've worked in the past and so it's just like having to remind myself like okay I just got to double down on this and I got to be stern and creating these boundaries oh it's coming back to what we were saying it's like you know the people that love you and they know your intentions and that they know what it is you're about like they won't ever be offended by you saying like I just can't you know what yeah. I mean? I won't. I'm like, it's like, so I think I started to embrace that and yeah. feel more comfortable in it. Knowing like, look, if I tell this person no, as many times as I've said yes, like, I wish a motherfucker would. Like, and, but I don't have to wish in, in that a motherfucker would because it's like, I know that it's, it's going to be okay. They're going to still love me and accept me. Yeah. They know I've like, you know, I have priorities. They see how I move. They know it's like, I'm not brush, you know, just like doing it in a way to, you know, disregard them or like sure. disrespect the relationship. It's just like I need to do what's best for me. And if they truly cared about me, they wouldn't even trip. You know what I mean? And so I think it's just like realizing that. It took me a long time to realize that. Yeah, like, it took me a long time to you know, know, like like prioritizing ourselves, though it may in the short sighted sense, it's like, oh, it's selfish. But it's like prioritizing yourself and your energy is like the most like selfless thing that you can do because you show up to the people in your life much better than you would if you were depleted or living a life that was to please others instead of yourself. Cause it's like, we all want to experience the fruits of our labor and the fruits of our intentions, like bar none, regardless of how selfless we feel and like, Oh, I want to save the world and stuff. It's like, nah, nigga, part of that's for you too. Like you want to experience that too. And you should be able to enjoy it with the people that you are helping. It's like, it's a party. Like everyone, Mm -hmm. you don't want to have everybody like do all this work for everybody at this party, but then you're in your office and you can't enjoy like they're bringing out the cake and <laughs> everyone's just having a good time. And then you're just miserable in the office. Like, right. Like that old like idea of just like, nah, like you're supposed to be in that party too. You're supposed to be like carried on like their shoulders. They're going to lift right. you up because they love you. 
What's funny is anytime I throw a party or an event, like I never have a good time. <laughs> no, I'm like stressing, so stressing, stressing about like make sure well, other people want, are good. You want the you want the yeah. outcome. Like you want yeah. a you want a verifiable outcome that it's a success. And mm-hmm. I think all of like the work that leads up to it, like that's that's where you gain like the success from. Is like right. I know I put everything into it. I'm gonna let it go at that's some true. point. And that's that's one of the things how I've kind of approached like my artistry over mm-hmm. the years is like. I know the energy that I'm putting into it. Like there's some things that I cannot control, like how somebody responds to my photography or to right. my podcast or to my my paintings or whatever and my art travels mm. weaves through to and fro through like relationships and just the way that I communicate and how I show up for people and show like share space. I know if my intention is there and that I put everything into it. I can let go and whatever happens right. happens. And that's, that's something that's like eliminated a lot of stress as mm-hmm. far as like identifying as a multi-creative entrepreneur. Cause it's like, mm. Oh, like this job says that you need to be a producer. Right. Okay. I'm a producer today. Right. Sure. Next week I'm an associate, like right. whatever, whatever. And it's just like moving all these through all these different I- senses of identity. Um, Mm. were kind of dictating the the way I related to myself and related to my own self-worth. So then once it was like, okay, I'm a, I'm a freaking rock star creative period. Mm -hmm. Um, but here's my intention. Damn right you are. Yeah. My, my intention is to create things that uplift people and that maybe, uh, put the power in to show people to put the power into their own hands with the decisions that they make and, and realize how much power that we all have in, mm-hmm. in, in creating healthy choices and decisions. Like we choose the people that are in our lives and, and seeking the, the mentorship uh, through experiences and, and, and everything that we need is out there for us to achieve. We just have to get clear on it and, and being vigilant and attaining it. Um, right. But outside of that, um, as far as like a result, like a monetary thing, it's like, oh, it has to make, there's, there's benefit to setting goals for ourselves. But like the idea that I want to be received by this person in this specific way, you're just like begging for failure. Yeah. Yeah. There's which something you said about, you know, letting it go. Like, um, it reminded me of, so I was, you know, in my past life, I was in this African drum and dance troupe and I did theater too. Like I was a part of some black theater groups. Um, but one thing we would always, we would always sort of say, you know, before any big performance is like, leave it all on the dance floor, right? Like just, we had the week leading up to a performance, man, was like, we called it hell week. It was like practices were intense. No, everyone's going home like mad the whole time because we not getting it right. And we all like, (laughs) fuck, we're going to bomb this shit. (laughs) And then like when the show time come, the energy was just so high and like, you know, we would all just remind ourselves, like, yo, we fucking made it. We got past Hell Week. Like, now we're here. Let's have fun. Like, let's let it all out on the floor. Like, and I think that's true about anything creative process, like any creative sort of process. It's like the process is where it's at. Like, however, you know, you're making something, you know what went into making it and the conversations and the dialogue and the, you know, sort of debates around what is the th- right choice mm-hmm. to make creatively or what have you and so and then like obviously you want it to resonate with people and to have the impact that you intended for it but then it's like you can't control that it's like it's like with music right you have musicians all the time say whoa like that was the one that went that got popping like that was the hit for y'all like i don't even fuck with that song or like or that wasn't the song I never would have thought. Like, have, did y'all re- listen to the uh, the rest of the album? Like, that's the one. So you never know how people can respond to your ideas, and so you can't get caught up in it. You can't yeah. get caught you up in the outcome. Put it out. Just put like, it out. Like, dude, have, and just know, like, have to put it out. You have the you have the backstory of like what it took to get to the place that you yourself were happy with the outcome. You know what I mean? How other what, what, how it's perceived? It's not it's not up to you. It's not it doesn't it's not your you know responsibility to try to dictate how people perceive it and are impacted by it like your part is just the process the intention and then execution and getting it out letting it go you know letting it go absolutely letting it go let it go let it go go. (laughs) sorry that was just a little beautiful (laughs) frozen (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't seen that. <laughs> um, on the topic of music, that's how I like was introduced to you. Like mm-hmm. I remember, like in my when I first moved to Portland, I was just like trying to go to every single thing that there was, like Sneaker Week. Shout out to Sneaker Week crew, um, but just like events and concerts and just like and I remember seeing you uh, uh, on the ones and twos. Uh, I think Fountain was was mm-hmm. performing, and you yeah, were up Jake. on stage on on stage. And then I was like, all right, like, here's this dude. And yeah. then I just see you like all <laughs> over the place. Like, yeah. and then just being involved in so many different things. And, and so I guess like, where did, where does music uh, play? I, I, I kind of want to like get like the official, sure. like, like, like on offloading all of the things that you're interested yep. in and that you're a part of, because mm-hmm. it's, for me, it started with music as right. seeing you as like a DJ and kind of like an A&R, but kind mm-hmm. of going into your background with music and your role in the city of yeah. Portland. So, well, okay, <laughs> DJing, yes, I've DJed or performed as a DJ with acts that I manage, but I don't I don't claim the title of a DJ because I have too much respect and I honor the craft way too much to, like, think that just because I bought this little thousand, you know, whatever, Pioneer decks and can do some basic-ass mixing, like, to me, that's not enough, and so I want to be careful. I don't never, t- I never say I'm. I be telling people like I'm a hype man. Like I'm, I, mm. I know, I know music. I know how to like sort of perform, and you know, I'm comfortable getting on a microphone and talking my shit. And I know, I know, like, wh- and it just made sense because like all the artists I work with is like, okay, I know your guys' music. I'm constantly listening to it, and I'm, go- I need to be at your shows to act as your manager. Why don't I just like was just kill two birds one stone just DJ for y'all too mm-hmm. and like do the backing vocals and so to me that was my way of like when I found myself getting involved in creative projects and with music music artists I started to feel like I didn't I I was like where what's my outlet like I need mm-hmm. to get some energy out and, yeah you know and so I was like okay I'm gonna start DJing for y'all like because I get to get on stage and act a fool and have fun and release because. I've done performing arts throughout my life and like I wasn't I didn't have anything that I was doing because I was kind of playing you know the producer sort of back behind the scene roles and wearing those hats because I am very business oriented too so it's like I like you know I naturally started leaning towards that but in terms of like my connection to music so obviously you know for me that starts with my family and my culture Tigrinya music is like you know, beautiful storytelling that's, you know, sheds light on the struggles of our people and our struggle for freedom and becoming a country. And, like, music was just, I like, always getting blasted at the house. We always were, always were going to, like, Eritrean parties. We were always, like, just be in the house and having jam sessions. And my parents were like, yo, like, play, they would play some shit. We're all, as a family, like, dancing, like, straight up in the crib. Like, we, this is what we do. Because, yeah, I think it's just like, it, it just brought us so much pride and joy to celebrate our culture in that way. And so that was my introduction to falling in love with music. And then America, like popular music in America, you know, that was my way of really like being socialized into the American culture. Mm-hmm. Being Im- an immigrant, being a, born in Sudan and Khartoum abroad, immigrating here, I was like three years old, you know what I mean? Um, only spoke to Grinya in my household. Music and film and television, like that's how I learned about America, right? So, um, you know, and I learned. So I had three older siblings, and I honestly just like looked to them. You know what I mean? What did they think was cool? I wanted to be like the big bros and sis. So, you know, and they all had different tastes in music, and it was tight because, like, you know, my sister she was like in the down south shit, like, so she was putting me on the three six and. 3-6 Mafia and, like, 8-Ball and MJG, all this, like, country chopped and screwed shit. And then my other brother, Mike, you know, he was kind of on the West Coast, DJ Quick, Snoop and Dre, you know, that vibe. And then my other brother, KSR, he was really into, like, just underground shit, underground New York rap, Big L, you know, Razkaz and fucking Cannabis, like, all these, like, relatively unknown underground non-mainstream acts in, in hip-hop. So... You know, for me, music was definitely stemmed and started in the home with my own culture, with my parents. And then it sort of led to me learning and falling in love with hip hop through my siblings, my older siblings. And then 
you know, obviously radio was a thing back then. So that's that was kind of where I got my mix of just like eclectic taste to like pop and indie and rock and shit like that. Um, and then when I went to college, I really started my world opened up even more because then it was like it wasn't weird to be going to like house shows and like, you know, listening to EDM and like all kind of genres mm-hmm. that historically I thought was white people music. Cause like, that's what I was told. Like in the communities I lived in, like you listen to pop and you listen to rock and like, what's this electronic shit? Like that ain't us. And I was like, Oh damn. Yeah. And then I go to college. It's the thing It was bubbling at that during that time, like dubstep and EDM and all that was like, there was a huge wave of that. And then I don't know. One day I was just like, let me like look all this shit up. I looked up house music. DJs were black DJs in Chicago. I was like, fuck, okay. I looked up disco music. Or like, um, was it disco? It was like Detroit. Black DJs in Detroit. And I'm like, rock and roll. It's like, oh shit, like all popular American music were have roots in black culture. And, and like, I was just like, holy shit, like all music is basically has like originates in like these black or diasporic spaces. So, you know, besides maybe, I don't know, country, maybe blue, but blues for sure. I don't know. But it's just like when you look yeah, at who some tree. of the original, you, like the you look at the tree. Yeah, the tree of like where all traces back to from. like a black person. Yeah. So I was like, oh, <laughs> like I was so lied to. Like, and, and there was a reason why I was digging this shit. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I sort of, I said, what was it? Yeah, anyway, that was my sort of, op- like, eye-opener, you yeah, know what I mean, in yeah. music. And I was like, okay, music is a powerful medium. It has the ability to create this cultural understanding, um, you know what I mean? And same with film and, and moving images and still and photography. Yeah. You know, I've lived abroad and barely spoke the language. But I for damn sure could communicate through body language, through what I was seeing on their TV shows and what I was hearing and on radio and what I see on billboards. Like, okay, I don't really know what's being said exactly verbatim, but I get the gist of like the human emotion that's being portrayed. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I really doubled down on like, yo, something around like music, film, art, television. These, the this is how you impact culture at scale Mm. you can solve a lot of problems around like misunderstandings of like society and like how people just don't get each other yeah and so i was like oh this is what i'm gonna do with my life yeah so So how do you feel like this like heightened sense of i guess the ability to communicate because these are all communication devices communicating uh through emotions through feelings even thoughts, like you could say it verbatim, but how do you feel like you've been able to implement that in your, I guess, like, I would say, like, I don't want to say, like, what's another word for, like, career, but yeah. it's just, like, your your passions and the way that you engage with the world. Like, how do you feel like you're applying this, this sensitivity um, to the power of these mediums as far as music and television yeah. and, and projecting uh, into the world and... and yeah, how do you yeah. harness that in I think your it's, intention? It's twofold, right? One is learning to be comfortable in seeing myself as uh, sort of someone that has a voice and that mm. my voice matters, you know? Because I think sometimes I'm like, I shy away from like, am I creative? Am I like, I don't have, you know, your perception of like what a creative is. Mine, at least, were very rigid. It's like you have this skill set and this within this discipline that makes you x creative type of creative you know and it's like i always you know i liken it to bill bowerman co-founder of nike um who was a a legendary track coach at u of o you know he coached phil knight and he had this quote where he says if you have a body you're an athlete right so in one sense it's like it was a fucking genius marketing like just I don't think he said it from that perspective. Like, he wasn't trying to say, use it to, like, necessarily, like, make everyone feel like they're an athlete to sell shoes. But I think he was genuinely like, yo, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And, like, you have capacity to, like, be athletic, 
Mm-hmm. And so what I like to, you know, so I I borrow from that, and I used to, I'd be like, you know, my thing is if you have a soul, you have a mind, like you're an artist, mm-hmm. like you can express yourself through art mediums. Um, no matter is it all gonna be good? I don't know. It's good. Like what's good? What's you know? Then you start getting into like subjective things, like because that's what I used to think. Oh, if I'm an artist, like what what kind of art do I make, and is it good? Is it good enough? And so. And we all know, like, with anything, it just takes time. You just gotta, can't give up. You got to just keep doing it. You got to, you know, at some point, you'll get good. You'll get good enough. You'll be, you know, but that shouldn't stop you from, you know, seeing yourself in that way, even if you don't claim it quite yet. Like me with DJing, it's like, I'm not out here telling everybody I'm a DJ because I don't, I don't feel like I'm nice enough to be, but mm-hmm. I could fucking... It doesn't stop you from, it doesn't from stop doing yeah. that and following your inclination yeah. to create and be sort of like a master of ceremony and supporting your your the artists that you manage right. as well yeah like finding our place within this ecosystem and and like sometimes even like as an art an artist it's like the thing that you feel like you contribute like honestly hasn't been done before and yeah. at least that i'm coming into that i was like oh there's nobody before me that's doing what i do like in the idea of like oh these titles and like designer i'm just using the term designer loosely but like traditionally people who have studied graphic design and like they're artists in a sense but like they're in these companies and like they have a very specific role and i'm like i can do that but i could do 10,000 other mm-hmm. things and and i feel like those roles that people are in like in these companies as a designer is like y'all are way more limited than yeah. i am it's like there's an art to to holding it down like for an artist on stage but then also being able to like produce a commercial for right. a billion dollar company <laughs> yeah it's like the versatility and i feel like the artistry is navigating from from stage mm-hmm. to boardroom yep. <laughs> yeah that i feel like you're in the middle of right now definitely you know i think i will say i was very fortunate the last um creative environment i was in the leadership there like they encouraged everyone to see themselves as a creative and that's that's when i really was like okay bet like if these people that are well-respected creative minds are telling me i'm a creative like i'm gonna you know my input matters um then i'm i started to like embrace it more and you know i think so there so back to the original question on like you know how sort of the work that I do, how it manifests, like one isn't like giving legitimacy to my own voice and my own creative ideas and by exercising them and by doing them and by seeing myself in that way and then like going out and like making shit and putting myself out there and being vulnerable. Um, and so that's one aspect which I feel like I do, yeah, kind of by dabbling in DJing, but also through filmmaking and, you know, working on shorts and documentary and like trying to like direct a little bit. But Professionally, I work as a producer, and so part of what I do and why I think I was an attractive candidate to, like, creative agencies I've worked at is because I do have a pulse in, you know, what's happening on the streets. Like, I'm from the streets. I'm, You know what I mean? Like, I was a 90s kid that was running around in the streets and never be home, like, out till the, you know, whenever, and just having fun in the real world and exploring and learning. And so the other aspect of it and I think this comes from just, I've always been this way, just business oriented, I guess. Even though I suck with using planners, I, I'm not that organized, but I'm getting better. Um, it's just like knowing how to make those learnings and those findings and bringing them into a, a sort of, I guess, prof- corporate space. Um, but doing it with, you know, being mindful in the way that I do it not, so I'm not co opting and letting corporations eat off the culture without mm. properly acknowledging and um you know investing in these spaces where they gather these ideas that you know what i mean that they eventually monetize from so mm-hmm. is that it's like being tithering around like okay like i'm gonna bring myself and show up in my tr- as my true self in these spaces but i gotta be careful to make sure i'm not selling the culture and like being a sellout basically mm. Um, so, and then the other aspect is just like helping others discover their voice and managing their, you know, sort of being there, being there on the path as they, undis- you know, discover who they are and yeah. the mediums that they want to tell their stories through. And a lot of that is through music, you know what I mean? And 
you know, it's just kind of being like a homie that's just like gonna keep it real, gonna can go in the trenches with you, um, and that is actively out just like doing them and trying to figure their own stuff out and when it makes sense, like connecting dots when it when mm-hmm. it, and even if it's like. You know, I've, there's been plenty of times I've gotten people's looks and I'm like, I'm not, I don't need a shout out. I don't need no, you know, pat on the back or nothing because it's going to come back to me. The universe will conspire it always to does. work in my favor just through the karma of just like putting, mm-hmm. being, you know, being solid. Most definitely. That's dope. So Mulu, what are some of the other yes. things that you're interested in? Of course, like producer, director. DJ, hype man, manager. What are some of like newer things that are coming up for you as somebody that like seeks opportunities and can kind of read the the writing on the wall? Like we just watched my commercial and right. like, you gave me some great insight that I'm like, yo, I need to apply this now. So what are some of the things that you've been kind of like working on lately that, uh, yeah, that you're yeah. inspired by? So I'm in one project that I'm working with my nonprofit called Friends of Noise. I sit on the board. Um and it's an organization that, you know, is creating a platform for all age, um, you know, music, uh, you know, music lovers. So what but what I mean by that is like growing up in Portland, you know, there were plenty of places to go in for youth, young adults um, to either experience live music or party and dance. And like, you know, what I mean, like have a good time um, that was, you know, like 16 and up spaces and like so right now i think the way the city is kind of you know geared towards people the 21 plus crowd like that's like if you want to go do anything and have fun out here like you got to be 21 you got to be of drinking age and it's like why are we why did we create this environment where it's like you have it's almost like encouraging drinking like yeah. to go have fun Ooh. and like listen to music and go do things like and you know what i mean and we all know how important those experiences are especially for young people as they develop into adults like why is it centered around drinking spaces and like so friends of noise their whole our whole mission is like creating this platform where we create partnerships with venues and bars and places that are you know willing to like not serve alcohol and like have spaces where like young people can come and perform and like so part of it is creating this platform for young people to have spaces to do their shows and like you know what I mean and and like just have spaces to like show up and like have fun with their friends because that's why kids end up in the streets because like when I was a kid there was rec centers there was places to like where you can get that mentorship um and you know and now that it's, it doesn't seem like it's like that like straight up everyone's home online on social media <laughs> and like streaming and doing whatever they do on the internet but you know, so Friends of Noise is that's its mission, and the other part of it is like, how do we introduce a music ecosystem to support those that are like me, quite frankly, that aren't don't want to become musicians, but we want to support the music economy, mm-hmm. and we want to support music artists, and the ways we can do that is learning how to manage or becoming a sound person, and you know what I mean, running sound at an event, like just all the different things. So we we teach workshops. Um, and we throw shows so for all ages. So we now have been working on something, um, a music, like YouTube, like web series mm-hmm. that will, you know, highlight youth. Um, and th- it's going to be kind of like MTV unplugged, you know what I mean? Mixed with some sort of like vice journalism <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. thing yep. where it's like, Yes, we're talking. Uh, we're we we have these young folks, and some are, uh, you know, of age, because we want to create that intergenerational sort of bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we we booked and did a bunch of live performances at different venues in Portland. People that partnered with us that helped fund it and helped you know get it produced. Uh, and the the purpose of that is to one give these young folks a platform and again but also we want to have these like segments within it where we unpack you know why why aren't there no like places where young people could perform yeah why are all the Dude, bar o- owners so white yeah. like why are like all the like where are yeah. we uh, where, so where, where, where's our role in these spaces 
So yeah. it, the goal is like we want to do season one, keep it on Portland, but something that you know we can expand to other cities and figure out who's doing this, the, who's doing it in a way that's equitable. Mm-hmm. Like where are there, you know, communities where there's a thriving music scene, where there's diversity and there's equity across, you know, across the board, and we want to like investigate that. So we're doing that. We're starting out here in Portland. We kind of are wrapping up shooting. The goal now is to like start editing, get into post, and then start pitching it. And, and then if no oh one yeah. gets on board, fuck it. We're just going to put it out ourselves. Welcome. Yeah. So <laughs> no. that I'm excited about. But, yeah, you know, again, it, it aligns with everything I'm into. And I think my long-term vision, long-term goal, things I want to get more involved in is tech and, mm-hmm. like, how, you know, how to solve real world problems using technology um and innovation and i know these are like buzzwords everyone's talking about that all the time but like actually like being about it you know what i mean like you know if i'm gonna dive into that space knowing the impact that these industries have um you know knowing how much resources and capital are Mm -hmm. sort of like that they have like then my whole thing is like well how do we get did that and like actually make some apps that's like gonna change people's lives for the better yeah and because you can do it at scale that's the part that's like fascinating to me it's like yo, you can get a million whatever overnight if with the right sort of yeah capital and resources and advisors and all the things you know it all has to be on point but so me is like yeah i want to get into tech more yeah and you will yeah um back on friends of friends of noise yeah like that essentially is like how you dismantle a system is shining a light on it and and questioning it and pressuring it because like like why i when you said like creating a space where like kids can show up and just like listen to music and like bands can play and like there's not an incentive i feel like kids like gravitate towards alcohol because people say like no like like they're just curious and they're just like there's nothing else to do so why don't i just do the thing that the adults are doing and they're just copying but it's like if there's an alternative to 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 drinking and and just getting fucked up and doing the like like crazy dumb shit then it's like they're gonna go do that because it's fun like why not like go to those places so i i love that that concept to to call into question like the the norms that we've all blindly accepted which is i think is like one of the byproducts of the uh, pandemic and everything is like if you're not taking this time to like really look at all these structures that we've been mindlessly uh kind of just floating down this raft without even like using we didn't even realize we had paddles like oh shit i got an oar in my hand this is an oar oh shit i can direct this thing and i can go against the current and i can like hop off onto a rock and maybe get out of this this rapid uh descension into more consumption and and this that program or that nonprofit is something that it like it's an actualized uh, way to prioritize the youth and, and allow the youth to come up with their own solutions to the problem as well, mm-hmm. or at least allow them to, to contemplate, uh, yeah, why, why are all these adults like trying to make money off of us and try to get us to drink earlier? And so like, that's super, super powerful. So I definitely commend you on that. And then gravitating towards your um, inclination to gravitate towards tech, it's like, like me too. I'm like, all right, where do I fit in this? Similar to what you're saying about like how to like you love music and music has always been a part of your life. But how? Where do I fit in this? And everybody has a role in every single system that they gravitate towards or any medium. And like finding like what like what my place is and what your place is. And and it's like I wanted to bring up like the importance of and I think which has been layered in many different ways through this conversation is the importance of relationships and, and, and getting us to where we want to go in a lot more rapid pace than if we were to go at things alone. Cause I grew up thinking I had to do absolutely everything on my own that nobody wanted to help me and being afraid to ask and, and, and receive to, I was afraid to ask and receive. And then um, when we open ourselves up to the world and, and seek opportunities and, and you saying like, Oh, like, I like music. Let me just be on stage with you and kill two birds with one stone. And, and that's that in the beginning, that can be a really like 
unsettling position, but you know that that's the thing that's going to force you to grow. And then through time, it's like you find other people that are willing to put themselves out there and then they become like your community. And just like yesterday, like I just met um, a couple of guys through another mutual friend of mine. His name is uh, Cameron Stallings, who was on the on the podcast. And a bunch of us were just out. He's a, 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 a VR artist and AR artist. So he's highly skilled in like the tech space and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah. so he's the man and then he introduced me to his friend philip uh who does ux ui design as well and he's also like a chef and stuff and it's like we we have these like conversations that are naturally arising based off of our genuine interests and it's like like i don't have to approach uh trying to create the perfect pizza or trying to create a ux app from square one it's like Mm -hmm. no this is a wealth of knowledge right here i'm gonna listen and formulate questions uh that pique their interest as well and it's like it's so amazing just to like gravitate towards people that have similar interests and that can like we can help one another and it doesn't have to be just you and hopefully we can illustrate that with this conversation because like just like i mentioned before like the things that you were saying about like my own company and i'm just like yo i didn't even think about that that is amazing how to create leverage based off of inquiry and, and it's just like oh shit okay cool right. thank you i want to yeah. apply these things hey, now it's cool, about man. it's about sharing and then applying yeah. these things if they if they don't work if something doesn't work that's just knowledge at that point it's just like now you know like if you get like denied for a job at least you know now instead of like in this in-between limbo place of hmm i wonder what they're thinking i wonder what they're doing but thank you for telling me now because i can move on to something else for sure and and but i i do want you to kind of go in on like the importance of relationships and and um i guess like the dynamics that that allow us to create the lives that we want because it is like uh it does take a village as you say right I mean, you know, all the cliches around relationships are true, right? It's who you know, your network is your net worth, and this and that, like, you know. But for me, like, I think I'm just, it maybe has to do with, like, I'm, I was a middle child, you know what I mean? I had a big family, I was in the middle. Niggas so be I, counting yeah. me out, I'm <laughs> my bullets, I'm loading my clips. <laughs> hey, bro, bro. So, I just always, like, relationship management was just, like, a big part of, like, my childhood because, like, you know, you got older siblings, you got younger siblings, you got different dynamics within a family, and, you know, motherfuckers is beefing, and, like, there's people butting heads, and I'm kind of in the middle because I'm, like, closest in age and this and that. So I was always, like, trying to navigate and mediate relationships. And I think, at and, and so I learned those soft, intangible skills just through living, like, my lived experience of, like, my family dynamics. And so I always then started to understand that people took a liking to me because of that. Like, I feel like they felt heard and listened to and, and, and like, you know what I mean? Like I've made people feel like, you know, that I honored the relationship and the friendship. So, and I saw how far and how hard people went for me just off the strength of that. Like I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing anything beyond that, beyond like staying engaged, you know, um, being a presence in their lives. And even if it was like not, that deep like you know what i mean like and that's why i love the title of the podcast by the way i need some merch but <laughs> on the way <laughs> this idea of just like openness being open to new possibilities to new ways of thinking um, new ways of approaching relationships and knowing that you know a relationship doesn't have to die if there's a way to kind of you know um if for it to, it can change right the relationships can change over time and what you might, what someone means to you in one point of your life might be differ. But me, I swear, I'm like, I don't know if it's just like, I think part of it's like my personality. Like, I just want everyone to love me. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to never <laughs> burn bridges. Like, some people don't give a fuck. Like, they like, I don't give a fuck, fuck this person. But I'm not, I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, if it's not that deep, if the something that's like I don't like about someone, it's like, I'm just like, you know what? Bless their hearts. You know what I mean? We move on. And it's like, so I think it's important to, you know, pick your battles. Also, be careful how you treat people. You never know. They might stun on you years later and be somebody that's like, just remember how you made them feel. 
mm-hmm. and they don't remember what how, what the connection was. Like, oh yeah, man, I remember. Like we fought. Like I don't know, remember much about our connection, but I'm, it felt cool and good. And so mm-hmm. I just try to like leave a lasting impression, even if it's like, and it's not transactional either. Like I'm Mm-mm. I'm genuinely like I don't give a fuck who you are, what you do, what you can potentially do for me, what I can do for you. Like it's all love. Like and that's just how I move with mm-hmm. love. So. You know, so I, it's very important because that's what people will re- remember about you is, like, how you made them feel, and they'll come back. And, like, with me, and this is something I was talking, you know, having this conversation recently about social media and how, I don't know, how I use it as a tool. Like, there are people, you know, I, sometimes I get caught up. I'm looking at who's, like, you know, engaging with my content passively so then i will i don't care if you somehow we are connected i will leave some fire emojis or some hard eyes and you know what i mean i'm gonna say something if i see something that you post and i fuck with it or I, it makes me feel a type of way but there's so many people on the internet that just passively just consume media and like people what people are doing in their lives and it weirds me out like i'm like yo what the fuck like are you ever gonna say anything to me yeah. are you ever gonna are you just gonna I, literally yeah. watch my every move and like never have anything to say to me. Yeah, like, that's so weird. For me, I'm like, I'm always trying to, um, you know, s- like engage and like have like in, in just like, that's how I maintain relationships because I don't care if I haven't talked to you in years, yo. Like if I'm see an article and it, something in it like resonates and I think you might find it to be relevant to you and whatever you're doing or mm-hmm. up to, or you might find interest in it. You just gonna get a random text from me like, oh shit! Like he just sent me an article about this, yeah. And like I haven't heard from Mulu in years. Like okay, yeah. like I just I don't know. I'm I'm very present. I try to be present, open, and present. <laughs> it's gonna be another. This you is know gonna what be I mean? Opening presence part two. Yeah. Like, like what's it's Mulu like, doing over there? Just moment to moment, <laughs> thinking about what led up to this very moment that we're having right now, and how it relates to something that might connect to the past. Or the future. And like and what I mean by that is if I'm having this moment right now and there's something from this conversation that sparks something in me that connects to someone maybe I'm not connected to now, but th- from my past or or you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm gonna go back and circle back and double back and reach back and you know Yeah. Just like that's that's what comes in. from just being like an active participant in life and just not being passive with the shit. Yeah. It's just like Yo, I'm aware, I'm awake, I'm alive, I'm healthy. Like, let's let let's engage and let's yeah. let, let's make our our mark felt. <laughs> right. Instead of just being consumers and just like slobbing around and stuff. It's like, yeah. yo, I have power, I have like choice, I have autonomy. Like, let me let me move some shit around and 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 try to organize it in a way that's the best for everybody. It may not yeah. like I may may make some mistakes, but at least I tried something. And I think exactly. that's something that we got to all kind of like help each other like open the keys to the door. Right. It's like no no no, like like everyone's kind of like blinded in there like yeah. searching for this like key and lock and it's yeah. just like yo, if I can one open my own door but then instead of just running through it, it's like, let me help other people open their own door to their own creative genius or to mm-hmm. their own passion or to, to a different way of seeing things that can activate their own wisdom that's mm-hmm. like dormant, essentially. Right. But it's like, we just need to turn on all of these levers. <laughs> yeah, they just turn it, like turn everybody on. And it's just like right. everybody has their own way. Some people it's art, some people it's communication, some people it's it's being a teacher or a mentor and just finding the way that that we engage with ourselves that feels authentic, but then how we engage with the world that makes other people feel seen, heard, and inspired. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to leave our, nah, our mean, beautiful I listeners? You know, you're right. You know, we got we to gotta turn, turn my swag on, Soulja Boy, <laughs> you know, the, the cultural purveyor himself. And it's something my boy G, who we're at his crib doing this podcast. Yeah, shout but out to G. He, uh, he always tells me, like, you know, you got to turn, know when and how and control, be able to control turning on the switch off and on. And by that, he means like knowing when to, you know, uh, either connect or unplug from whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is. Toxic things, things that you might indulge in that, you know, aren't best for you. But like just don't get into the habit of continuously doing something that's not serving you and not giving you light. You know what I mean? And sometimes mm-hmm. you need to flip that switch and 
sit in solitude with your thoughts and the darkness and you know what I mean process that mm-hmm. and uh and know that you know you have the choice and the ability to you know seek and seek that light so i mean i guess parting words is you know to everyone listening to you you know i love you i love y'all um i love myself hope you do the same and you know i'm just wishing everyone um you know that they're in the process of discovering their light and you know shining that on to others awesome where can people find you on the interwebs on the interwebs so my name across all the social platforms and my website it's m-u-l-u-o-h-a-b-t-e mulu ohapte m-u-l-u-o-h-a-b-t-e for the website that's m-u-l-u-o-h-a-b-t-e dot com and yeah, I go by the name of Jumptown. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the Jumptown Portland neighborhood. You know what I mean? It's a project I'm working on right now. Be on the lookout um, where I'm honoring, you know, this historic legacy about this black neighborhood in Portland that was recognized by all the jazz greats as being this hip destination city to come and perform for this black community. Um, you know, right around Dawson Park called Jumptown. So you're going to be hearing me kind of embracing that um, through, you know, I created a company around it. It's my stage name when I DJ. So, yeah, shout out to Jumptown. Everything Jumptown. Well, thank you, Mulu, and thank you all for listening to Opening Presence. Mm-hmm.